For sure. 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 Welcome to another episode of For Sure, a 200-foot podcast. I'm Peter. It's me, Jay. And Jay, so we are we are deep into the doldrums of summer. Um, don't, we, don't say doldrums. Yeah. Quit throwing your eight-year, six-per words around, pal. <laughs> you know, not a ton is happening right now in, in the NHL. There, there's definitely still some news, and we're going to talk about it. Um, but, you know, it's not like during the season where you know, games are being played either regular season or you got playoffs, you got, you know, the, the playoff picture and awards and all that stuff, you know. So a lot of this, this stuff for the, the the last NHL season has basically kind of been wrapped up. Um, but there's still, um, there still are a couple things that we can talk about. And of course, as always, we have a, uh, a really great interview that's going to be coming up a little bit later. Um, so... Jay, the biggest news, and, and we, we do talk a little bit about this in the interview because it's with Kevin Papetti, who is a, a writer for Toronto. Um, the biggest news in the NHL, you know, probably for a long time has been that John Tavares signed with the Toronto Maple Leafs. He left he left New York to, um, to follow his dream ever since he was a child in bed uh, in, in his pajamas. And... He has he he took a seven year contract with the Leafs. Uh, the cap hit is eleven million dollars. So uh, so Jay, what was your what was your reaction to this? Well, I think I think right when it happened. And again, granted, this is a couple weeks on here. We are a little behind in joining the conversation about this. So for those of you listening, and this is probably and if this is already a boring subject to you, save it. <laughs> we are here <laughs> to talk about it because we at the for sure, 200 foot podcast like to pride ourselves on our unique spin slash viewpoints on the the biggest things that are happening to the NHL as a whole. Uh, so, uh, my first reaction was, it if I was an Islanders fan, that had to be the most excruciating, drawn out, and uh, ultimately heartbreaking a, a roller coaster to that anyone unwittingly signed up for. I think <laughs> from the Islander perspective that was um that was uh having gosh what's the uh, I'm just thinking of every awful death in horror movie history that you're just like no (laughs) and like trying to figure out which one best goes this but I I don't know maybe I don't know does it is it like it didn't feel forceful this wasn't one of those things where like hey you're going to the bathroom and then all of a sudden Jason just like pops in through the door and like just hacks your head off no this was like they saw it happening. They knew what they got themselves into. Maybe I uh, uh, equate the uh, uh, Tavares leaving kind of like uh, Burke dying in Aliens or... Uh, no, no, I'm going to... Uh, okay, this is the best way to describe it. Tavares leaving the Islanders for Islanders fans is Captain Dallas getting... <laughs> realizing their duty, we have to go into the air ducts to try and corner the alien. And all we have is a motion sensor and a flamethrower and it's a confined space, but 
there's sure we will definitely get out of this alive. Nothing bad is going to happen. And then right when you're like, oh, maybe we should go down this corridor. Surprise! It's Tavares leaving. So now everyone's sad and dead and uh, very, very angry, which I think justifiably so. I think from an outsider's perspective, uh, I mean, I haven't had that much popcorn in a while. That was <laughs> uh, quite the enjoyable experience for me. Um, you know, as a Wings fan, I knew we really didn't have a horse in the race. I mean, I'd love to view the alternate universe where the wings were a, a horse in that race just to see what would have happened. But uh, yeah, I, I just, it's, it's weird because like I can kind of empathize because I almost felt a little like, like I did when Datsuk left where it's like, oh, fuck it. Like, really, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. That's the, that's the way you're going to go. That's the thing you want to do. And, and then from the outsider's perspective, I'm like, wow, that was that was like like the most like if you wanted to try and set yourself up for the least amount of culpability but appear to have everything go wrong solely because of you that's exactly that's exactly what happened yeah and i think i i think if if you if you're going to talk movie uh analogies i think you could also um make a, a an analogy to the classic christmas movie die hard where with uh lou lamorello being the part of the fbi Oh, because yeah. it's, it's like, hey, the FBI's here. You know, the FBI comes to New York. It's going to fix everything, right? <laughs> you know, Lamorello's coming. Everything's going to be good now. And it's like, oh, 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 it was like the opposite. Oh, okay. Johnson and Johnson cut the part to grid 212. The other, guy on, the other guy on the other end of the phone is like, are you crazy? Uh, listen. Fucking Lamorello is right here, right now. Cut grid to twelve, and then ah, jeez, there's there's Kyle Dubis looking at the monitor, saying, "You wanted the miracle, I give you the FBI." <laughs> oh man, yeah. Uh, good. good one, one thing we should I just I think yours trumped mine, and I, well, and I one thing we should just do an entire show where oh, yeah. we actually, I mean, that that is kind of half the show now, uh, but yeah, no, so. It, it, it was definitely a um, it was definitely a surprise. I think I was talking to my dad the other day, um, who is a you know a lifelong Islanders fan, and it, it seemed like we were kind of on the same page because I don't really follow the team anymore. You know, I have friends who are who are fans and, and stuff. You know, so I, I have probably more of an interest than I would in random team B. Um, but at the same time, I'm not really following them on a, you know, on a daily basis or anything like that, but it was just really interesting because for the longest time, and we've talked about this before, you know, on, on this, on the show for the longest time, I thought he was leaving. I thought that was it. He's gone. Uh, I don't know if you remember the last game of the regular season last year when, uh, Detroit played New York. Like I I've seen, you know, I actually went to his, his first NHL game. Um, it was, you know, the home opener that year. Uh, I got, I saw him score his first NHL goal and, you know, in that, in that, uh, in that game. And I've seen him play a bunch of times and I have never seen him look anywhere close to as bad as he did in that game. I mean, he just looked like completely disinterested, which was, which was surprising, um, you know, because he's, he's known for being a professional. Um, but yeah, I mean, watching that game, I was just like, okay, he's gone. He's like, that's it. He's, he's, he's gone. It's over. 
But then when when they they got rid of Snow, they I mean I guess he's still there, but he's not the GM anymore. When they fired Doug Waite, they brought in Lamarillo, they got Barry Trotz, you know, they had a good draft. And I really thought that, okay, well, now I think he's gonna stay. I think, you know, and, and, and I mean the other thing too is there's so many times where it's like, oh, this this guy's gonna test free agency and then he just resigns with his own team. You know, we have you know, Stamkos was the last big one. Which didn't even really count, right? Because right. like he didn't he didn't even smell it, and yet people still bring it up as like, oh yeah, the you know the the Tampa Bay Lightning were able to save Stamkos. It's like, dude didn't even leave the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he had what the what, he had at least. I know he met with Toronto, um, and I think he might. I think he might have met with another team because I remember Detroit was supposedly on the list, and yeah. then they didn't even get the meeting because he had decided that he was going to stay. So yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it, it definitely had some similarities, but it wasn't, you know, he like the, he's like the last big player in his prime to come close to maybe going to another team right. through, yeah. through free yeah. agency. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We, you know, we've seen it happen in trades, but it doesn't happen very often. Uh, it, it, I mean, it, it's, it, it seems to now be as rare as uh, like offer sheets actually happening. Uh, you know, those every year it's like, oh, this is this is the year it's going to be offer sheet. And then it never ends up happening. Um, but yeah, so I was I was really surprised. I didn't think that that was what was going to happen. Uh, the other thing, too, with with even if he left, I thought that San Jose was maybe going to be the destination because the, the as we've seen the Toronto media, you know, in, in addition to the uh, the Montreal media, I don't really know why anybody would want to play there. It's 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 kind of like when I see things with like, you know, if you ever see like kind of like the behind the scenes footage of like celebrities going out in public and they are just absolutely swarmed by the paparazzi. I always think to myself, like, I wouldn't mind having a lot of money, but I would hate to be famous. Yeah. <laughs> like I would hate it. I would actively hate it. Um, it. It just seems terrible. And so I don't know. It's kind of surprising to me that he ended up going there where, you know, to a media that last year was basically trying to throw Austin Matthews under the bus. Uh, and, you know, they basically decided based on one, you know, admittedly bad game that Jake Gardner is now garbage. You know, even though he played very well last year, he had a, a terrible last game in the playoffs, but he's a young player. He's going to make mistakes. And, and the, you know, he was, he was like crucified for it. And it just, yeah. it just, I don't, I don't know. I, that was the most surprising thing to me, I think. I am very curious. Do you think all of the Toronto media writers had like their own like free agency hangout at like Boston Pizza or something? And then when they're like, and Tavares is announced, like they all like clinked their glasses because they're like, the meat's back on the menu, boys. Like, <laughs> like they're excited because now they have yet another talented person just to absolutely crap on. And yeah, I, I don't know. I Maybe it's a test to his character. I mean... I don't know. I mean, would you like comparatively like what the expectation level is on Long Island versus Toronto? I mean, I know it's obviously different because I think the Toronto atmosphere is certainly like win, win, please, God, win. And if you don't do the slightest anything to win, you suck. You're terrible. Get out of my house. Whereas like on the Islanders, it's like, hey, you didn't win. Let's try again. Oh, you didn't win. Let's try again. Right. Like there's yeah. obviously a, a concerted difference between those two approaches. Right. And I don't know. Maybe he's just at. So he's like ten years in the league, right? Roughly, 
around there? Because wasn't he first yeah, overall in 08? Well, he's 27. Okay. And I think he was... But he uh, went first overall, right? That was 08? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, r- roughly 10-ish years in the league. He's probably seen everything. Hasn't exactly done everything. But, like, he's... He's, you know, like he's got a good idea of how things work, and maybe he's just been able to, through ten years of not dealing with the Toronto media, has built up some sort of immunity, a la Wesley from Princess Bride. Oh, I've been, I've been building up an immunity to Toronto mm-hmm. media for the last ten years, right? <laughs> like now he can go and he can just be like, screw this. Like, uh, first of mm-hmm. all, he's still in New York, right? So like he's probably uh, like familiar with how the 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 sports news cycle in New York is and could just you know maybe extrapolate like okay so it'll be like this or kind of like this but I mean he lives listen, in Toronto he, well yeah I mean again it's not like he's foreign to it yeah. in any way shape or form maybe he's just you know maybe instead of having to experience it firsthand to learn what it is he's able to outside party observe it as much as he can yeah. From the player standpoint, obviously from a person standpoint, I mean, dude, he he gets he probably gets a paper, he probably reads the news, at least we think and hope he does, because that's what you know people do. But yeah, yeah, I I think it's very interesting that uh, he does choose to go into a meat grinder of sorts. I mean, hey, if it's for your dream team, right? Mm. Think about the picture he tweeted out, right? There with a little Naboo star, Starfighter alarm clock that he had set himself because he was worried his parents were going to not be able to wake him up. And so he wanted to have a, a a double alarm set. I mean, that sure, that's that's dedication. You know, I'm just waiting for when, you know, when uh, who, who's who's the next big name to come up? Uh, the, oh, the, oh, for free agency? I mean, yeah. well, I mean, if depending on what happens, I mean, Eric Carlson's definitely going to be there. Yeah. So let's um, see the, let's see the Eric, Eric Carlson snoozing in his bed in his Calgary flames jam, jam jams. Right. Yeah, I, like, know, I know either this coming season, you know, meaning next summer, um, or possibly like the next two seasons coming up. Uh, I know there's a ton of potential superstars hitting free agency again, it, so far, it, you know, Tavares is the only big name player in quite a long time to actually get to July 1st without having signed a contract yep. uh, with his former team. So, or, you know, his, his team at the time. So it, it's going to be interesting. I know, I, I know Carlson uh, is, you know, obviously there's, there's things, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit um, coming up pretty soon. You know, Eric Carlson, uh, there's some trade rumors and actually, you know, what? Let, let's just, let's just move into that. Cause I think that was going to be the next thing we talk about. Yeah. Um, you know, like kind of what the big stories are right now. Cause like we said, there's not a ton going on. There's some signings. Um, there's some arbitration hearings, which is, which is definitely kind of interesting. Um, but the, you know, the Eric Carlson thing, (laughs) it's funny because I, you know, I do listen to a couple other hockey podcasts and, you know, doing this one, especially since we do it roughly every two weeks, I do totally understand the feeling of, okay, we're going to record this on a Saturday or Sunday and it's going to come out on a Monday and there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff that happens in between. And so like for, I think like two or three, two or three episodes in a row, they're like, well, as soon as we post this, Eric Carlson is going to be traded and and it hasn't happened yet. So um, basically just a quick recap. Um, it, It seemed very likely for, for a while now that Eric Carlson was going to be traded at some point. It was just a matter of to whom and for what return. 
Um, there was a, I don't think we ever talked about this and it's been a while now, but there was a crazy, crazy news story, um, about Mike Hoffman that basically the allegation is, and and none of this has been proven. So I don't want to say that this definitely happened. However, there's a lot of kind of surrounding things that make me feel like it's at least partially true. Um, but supposedly his fiance made some incredibly horrible remarks to uh, Eric's wife, Melinda Carlson. Um, you know, if you haven't heard them, I, I don't really, really want to bring them into your your plane of existence because it, it's just terrible, terrible stuff. But like, you know, beyond the pale things. And it seems like there was like a, a kind of protracted social media uh, war being, you know, played by this person. Um, and it, it got so bad that the Carlsons went to a judge to get a, like a restraining order about it, which is one of the things that makes me think that there, you know, it definitely did happen or at least some variation of it, because that's not the type of thing you do if you're making something up. Uh, so because of that, people were saying like, well, okay, Carlson is definitely gone now because the team completely you know, they knew about it for a long time. They tried to pretend they didn't know about it. Uh, this was also surrounding a whole bunch of other crazy stuff happening in Ottawa. So the short version is that it's basically been believed for a while now that Eric Carlson is going to be traded. Uh, there was a crazy kind of two-night uh, <laughs> sequence of events where it sounded like Eric Carlson to Dallas was done. Oh, yeah. it was. Oh, it was super done by what yeah. we read. It was like, yeah. okay, all right, well, finally this nightmare can come to an end. Oh, yeah. Wait. It's, and it's still going. <laughs> apparently, apparently, like the version that's come, the story that's come out is that the deal was basically done. But then uh, Pierre Dorian, the general manager of Ottawa, decided that he wanted to trade to change out one of the players in the deal for uh, Heiskanen. Uh, they wanted Heiskanen from Dallas, and um, Dallas uh, general manager Jim Nill said, "No, we are not going to do that." So, and, 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 and like, I understand the high skin is, is a very good prospect. I mean, you know, very, very good prospect, but at the same time, it's kind of like, you know, it reminds me of the family guy mystery box. You know, it's like, yeah. man, you know, we could take, we could take a dominant elite player in his prime, or we can take the mystery box, which might eventually develop into a dominant player in his prime. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> like I, I don't, I, I don't really know how you say no to that unless, I mean, unless like the rest of the deal was absolutely ridiculous, you know, unless, unless it was that plus a whole bunch of other top notch pieces, which I don't think it was. Um, but yeah, so, so that happened. And then uh, just, you know, to kind of wrap up this, this, this story, if you, if you forgot about it, if you hadn't somehow hadn't heard about it, then, then it seemed like it was definite that he was going to go to Tampa. And neither one of those trades came to fruition. And it's kind of been quiet for about a week or two on the Eric Carlson front. So, Jay, what do you, first of all, like, like, like how have you felt kind of during this, you know, as, as somebody who obviously cares about hockey and, um, you know, news about hockey? And, and then, and then like, 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 what do you think is going to happen? I, at this point, don't think the, senators deserve carlson <laughs> yeah i think i think everything that they could have done to help 
and uh, uh, clear up or give any sort of indication that they know what they're doing. Uh, they did the opposite. It's, it's, it's like the thing of Mr. Deeds. What'd you want to be? Oh, I want to be a vet. What are you now? I'm a butcher. Wow. Went the other <laughs> way on that one. Didn't you? <laughs> yeah. So everything that Ottawa has done to date has, has shown me that, that like, even if, I don't know. I, 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 I don't, I don't like that. This is what's happened. I mean, especially with the, the Hoffman stuff, like the Carlson's have already been through a bunch personally. And like you said, the beyond the pale stuff that they allegedly sent the, the Hoffman's allegedly sent to them is like, that's one of those things where it's like, okay, you have to do something. <laughs> yeah. You have like, you have to step in and it largely nothing's really moved yet. So it's, it's really frustrating. And then, um, you know, and think about the type of character that Carlson has to remain pretty much stoic throughout all of this. And that further convinces me that they don't deserve him. Yeah. I, I, if he goes to Dallas or if he goes to Tampa, I don't care. I just want him to get out of there now because there's, it's really frustrating. I mean, I think this is one of those things that obviously speaks back to when Alfredson left, right? Like here's Daniel Alfredson, the freaking face of the franchise. And it's and it's free agency day. And what's this? Homeboy is leaving to sign a one year deal with the Red Wings. I myself to this day still kind of forget that he played for us because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's because it almost sounds like one of those trades that you like had to really, really, really game the system on in the in NHL eighteen or six. Right. Yeah. It's like it's like right? like you had to throw all of your next like, year's second round pick. Oh yeah. <laughs> It's like, okay, I'll give you this and this, this and this and this. And then it rejects it. But then like after submitting like pretty much all of your first rounds for the next seven years, <laughs> yeah. and then maybe a couple of depth forwards, the video I'm game's like Johan Franzen, who is still in the game, but <laughs> is not playing and he still counts. And you yeah. trade him, you know? <laughs> hey, hey, we all have to take a cue from Arizona. Use them contracts to get to that floor, am I right? Uh, exactly. Yeah. So that was probably the biggest omen of you know, I don't know if Ottawa knows what they're doing, huh? Maybe yeah. kind of looks like stuff is is not really going too well there. Maybe they should like fix it or something, and then slowly but surely, I mean, the Hamburglar stuff like kind of propelled them out of nowhere, and it looked like things could be like normal again. But gosh, it's just this is just deteriorating to the point where like I don't think it's just Carlson that needs to go. I think there's a lot of sentiment that is valid against Melnick that is. I think that's kind of irrefutable at this point. And sure. So it's, I don't know. I, I, I think it's, I think it's really rough. Like here, l- listen, this guy is obviously a generational talent, right? Right. right. The guy has the, the, the shiniest, most flowing locks of hair, a perfect mustache. And <laughs> any, any, any play again, all the things that all the great defensemen have ever been judged by. Yes. <laughs> uh, Carlson has. And to see him, I don't know. It, it almost, What's weird, Pete, is it kind of feels like it reminds me of the old, like back in the 50s and when like the owners were just these unscrupulous, heinous individuals that were paying the players pennies. And, you know, it wasn't until Ted Lindsay formed the NHLPA that things like could finally start to turn around. I mean, like Carlson wants to play hockey. He's really good at hockey. He wants to be uh, a obvious icon in the game. But the organization that he's with is just 
biffing every opportunity and every chance to try and make this right. And yeah, I, I, I'm sad that we don't have a league or at least, I mean, we don't, we do have a league that can step in, but obviously won't obviously, you know, yeah. there's at this point, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm very curious if there exists a situation where we actually see Gary Bettman and a crew of NHL executives flying to Ottawa, sitting Melnick down, being like, listen, what you've done has completely tarnished the legacy of this team and it's and this league. We are formally encouraging you and advising you that you need to no longer be an owner. Granted, he'd never do that because it's it, it'd be a noble thing. <laughs> thing to do and a, and a completely yeah. well, smart thing but and not that i disagree i just think that the the problem with with maybe expecting that to happen or, or wondering if it's going to happen is to me it would have happened already like if they were going to do that yeah. i think we've already gotten to that point and they haven't done it um yeah. no 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 don't get me wrong that doesn't mean that they they couldn't do something like that you know the, the league has stepped in in the past in situations where uh man you know ownership was particularly awful um yep but yeah so i think it's it's definitely gonna be interesting and and the thing that that i find really interesting about this story is it it definitely takes my like my red wings fandom and my nhl fandom and kind of pits them at odds with each other because you know i i like whenever um whenever i start up a new season of nhl and you know ea sports nhl and if I'm going to do the uh, the Hockey Ultimate Team mode, the first thing I, I want to try to do, like, like my first goal, basically, is to get a defense pairing of Nicholas Lidstrom and Chris Chelios. That is just, <laughs> it's just so much fun to play with. You know, they're two <laughs> legends. And yep. not to say that they're necessarily in their caliber. I mean, I think we all have to wait until the end of their, their careers. But Victor Hedman and Eric Carlson, to me, is kind of like the modern day version of that. Like, just they, like that would be such a scary combination. It would be so much fun to watch if they weren't competing against the Red Wings and if they weren't, especially if they weren't in our division. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, like I said, the two fandoms are kind of at odds with each other for that. But I, I do hope that Carlson ends up happy wherever he is for the reasons we mentioned before, all the stuff he's been through. Uh, but I, I really hope that it doesn't come, <laughs> to, you know, at, at, uh, at uh, the detriment of, of the Red Wings. So. I wholly agree. All right. So what we're going to do right now is we are going to jump to our interview. All right. So um, we have a really good interview with, uh, like I said before, Kevin Papetti. So uh, listen to that and make sure to stick around after because we have the return of a fan favorite segment that we haven't done in forever. All right. So we'll see you on the other side of the interview. All right. So our guest today is Kevin Papetti. He is a contributor for uh, Pension Plan Puppets, which is the SB Nation site for the Toronto Maple Leafs and also for uh, Bluebird Banter. Um, you can find him on Twitter at K Papetti. It's K-P-A-P-E-T-T-I. Um, Kevin, how are you doing today? Thanks for joining us. Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So, um, you know, we you know we try to have guests from different teams, and we haven't had somebody from Toronto. And it seemed 
to be a good uh, a good time, you know, a good time to have somebody from Toronto on. Um, so why? Why, Peter? Why? Whatever could you be referring to? Aren't the Toronto Maple Leafs a beloved original six organization that has in no way been on hard times? What? what whatever do you mean? <laughs> okay, so um, obviously uh, Toronto fans and uh, you know people following Toronto are most likely overjoyed that they landed uh, the big fish of the free agent uh, frenzy. Uh, and not only that, but probably the most surprising thing is that that somebody actually a, a large uh, you know a big name free agent actually change teams it doesn't seem to happen very often um so i guess just really quick you know really basically like what's what's the mood like in uh, in toronto land it's pretty incredible right now just between first john Tavares, but then just earlier this week Kawhi leonard so mm. the fact that we've kind of got two superstars in the in the same month is something we haven't really seen before and i think uh, because it's such a hockey town uh, the ability to kind of run Tavares, matthews codger down the middle i think it, for the first time in forever, they have a real chance of contending. I think last year they were one of the better teams, but I think this year they really have a chance to kind of separate themselves. Yeah. Um, just as a quick follow-up, and I, you know, since, you know, obviously since we've been talking, I think you know that I I, I mean this mostly tongue-in-cheek. Um, I remember the last, I don't know, maybe week leading up to July 1st, um, I remember having this revelation that if – you know, because at the time, you know, like I said before, a lot of times these big free agents don't really change teams. Basically, every large free agent is is linked to Toronto. And, you know, a lot of times it doesn't happen. But I remember having this thought that, like, if Tavares goes to Toronto, Twitter is going to become insufferable. Uh, so I guess the question I have is, is are we have, have we reached peak insufferable Leafs Twitter or is there is there still further to go for for fans for non Toronto fans? I'm not sure. I think it might be another a little bit more to, especially in the playoffs. But it was it was pretty incredible just seeing how the news broke because there wasn't like normally you'd see a little bit more rumors, a little bit more leaks, a little bit more speculation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we really had no idea up until uh, I'd say about half an hour before, and then Tavares tweeting out a picture in his lease pajamas as a kid, and it was just nice to see a hometown kid coming back to Toronto and. I think they do really have a chance to to be competitive for all seven years. I think that might have been what uh, differentiated them. I know he hasn't had much success with the Islanders from a team's perspective. And then from like a team with San Jose, I just don't know if they'll have the seven-year window. So I'm, hmm. I think looking at the Leafs roster right now with some, with some young talent, I'm hopeful that they can be competitive for all those seven years that they do have Tavares because it is a bit of a rare opportunity. And I also like how it's kind of a, what's the, what's the word I want to use here, Peter? It, it's like a, uh, it's a, it's a divine humor slash tragedy. How it's like, yes, yeah, the one time that Tavares has a chance to leave the clutches of the Islanders, and the best chance on paper is the team that would that like everybody else is. It, it's just really funny how you're like you're exactly right like. Yeah, sure, Dallas. Yeah, whatever, San Jose. But no, but it's like, yeah. And at the end of the day, the team with the most, <laughs> the most cash and the most talent to bring them along is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, what did they do to get in this position? I, I guess I'd be very curious to go back in time if there was any other team that could have set themselves up better 
than, than Toronto. For the, so it's almost it, maybe if Dubis was like visited by a spirit in the middle of the night, like seven years ago, it's like, whatever you need to do, do these moves. And then <laughs> in, in July of 2018, everything will fall into place. And he's like, oh, I don't know if I should believe you. Twenty-eight days, six hours, forty-two minutes, twelve seconds. And then it's like, no, 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 just don't worry. Don't worry. The the Sith Lord called Lamorello will leave, and <laughs> the second he leaves, like think of it like Lord of the Rings. Like look to the east, and and the light will will shine, and and there I will be with with Tavares in hand. And <laughs> so so that's so that's nice. But okay, first of all. Uh, Kevin, I, I actually want to ask this, and, and Pete, I don't, I don't think we've actually asked this of any of the other Espionation blog people that we've had on. So, Kevin, I hope you're excited to, to do this because maybe this question is just for myself, and maybe everybody else already knows. Why is it called Pension Plan Puppets? I think it's I, so they named it well before I was here, but the uh, Toronto, I think it's the Toronto Teachers Pension Plan that used to own the Maple Leafs. Uh, now it's MLSC that owns it, Bell and Rogers. But uh, in the past, it was owned by a, a teacher's pension plan. Okay, see, that's actually nice. I like, I like the because I'm, I'm a really big fan of all of the SB Nation blog logos, and I was always like, that's pretty cool. But what about it? Is it being a pu- who's pulling these puppet strings? <laughs> and then to have it be revealed that it's a bunch of teachers, I'm like, oh. <laughs> Couldn't, couldn't it have been like some like nefarious evil twin of Jean Beliveau or something pulling the strings or who knows? That's different. Um, so, uh, Kevin, as a uh, talent evaluator for prospects, and I think I've asked this of a couple other people who have been kind of prospect centric. Um, for you, what's what's the thing that makes you jump up and with joy? Like, is there is there uh, what, what's the skill set? for any type of prospect that you are immediately drawn to when you're like, Oh, okay. This guy's got the goods. I'm looking largely for high end puck carriers, high end scorers. I think when you're, especially in the first round, I'm I'm mostly looking for the difference makers, not guys that are just going to kind of fill a hole, but guys that can really lead the way offensively. So I think uh, if I'm watching a, a junior game and, and a player's really carrying play and, and generating a ton of scoring chances, that's what I'm looking for. Uh, I don't really want them to be a passenger on the line. Um, I know you're, you're always looking for the perfect player, but I, I'm willing to give up a little bit in terms of physicality and, and strength if, if the player's a super talent. And I think just finding those players that you you have faith in that can skate at the NHL level that can score at the NHL level I think that's what I'm mostly looking for in the first round so so when you have so what's the so who's the most recent player that has demonstrated what's in like your wheelhouse and and then you just want them to start already (laughs) (laughs) uh most recently so at the draft I was high on Zadina and Quinn Hughes um I remember like when, when the scoring numbers jump off the page, when they jump off the page, just watching them on the ice, uh, I th- I feel quite confident that they could be fifty point scorers. Um, in the case of a guy like Zadina or Barzell or, or um, like Mitch Marner, but I mean Quinn Hughes as a defenseman might even be able to touch fifty points. So I think 
when you're the, when you're one of the best players on the ice consistently in terms of your skating, in terms of your carrying, and you're really the driving force of your team offensively, I think that's that's what stands out when I'm looking for. I think too often you see teams kind of tr- just try to make a little bit of a safer pick, someone that can join their middle six but aren't really a difference maker. Yeah, I really hope that Zadina kid ends up ends up in a good good place. <laughs> Yeah, between Zadina, Valeno, and Berger, and it was it was quite a draft for Detroit. So I'm I'm excited to see where where it takes them. Yeah, I was um, in in preparing for this. I, I pulled up your article uh, from uh, June 18th, where you were talking about uh, your I, I guess it's your final your final rankings part one for you know the first group of players, and um, you know looking at it, the Red Wings drafted three of the top sixteen players you had in the, you know, with their first three picks. Um, so here's, here's a question, um, going into the draft, because obviously, um, for, for the Red Wings here, we've been talking about this forever, uh, that, you know, their defense is just terrible. You know, on the, on, on the forward side, you know, we have Dylan Larkin, who obviously is, is definitely going to be a very good player. If he continues improving, like he, he definitely seems to have the potential for, he could even be better than we thought when he was drafted. You know, we have a player like Anthony Mantha, you know, last year we drafted Michael Rasmussen, who's, who's probably going to be at least a pretty, pretty good center. Um, and so going in, basically a lot of the Red Wings fans, in, including myself, were really hoping that we could draft a defenseman. Um, I was all aboard. I don't want to take anything away from Kyle because I think uh, our our, uh, our compatriot Kyle was like the engineer of the Quinn Hughes hype train. Um, I, think <laughs> I, I got on a little later, so I do not want to take you know credit from him. Um, but yeah, by the time the draft came, I was like, oh my God, if we can get Quinn Hughes, I'm going to be so happy. Um, and then we know what happened, which is that uh, the Canadians took Kakanyemi, uh, and then uh, Arizona decided to take Baron Hayton, and all of a sudden, uh, like like Jay has made the gift, it was with the Vince McMahon thing. Uh, he has fallen back in his chair, and the Red Wings run up and take uh, Philip Zadina. So a lot of a lot of fans were, like I said, kind of upset, or not upset, but like maybe disappointed that with our first three picks, we took three forwards when we needed, you know, you know, we, we seem to need defensemen in our system. Um, but at the same time, I think all three of those picks, we took what I think is the best player available. So what do you think about that? Do you think, do you think that's an accurate uh, evaluation or do you think any of those three picks where they took them that they could have gotten a defenseman that would have been a better overall player? I think it reminded me a bit, the Zadina pick, it reminded me a bit of the 20, I think it was the 2014 draft, where the Leafs, I was hoping for either William Nealand or Ellers. Those were the two very fast, very highly skilled scorers in the draft. And then all of a sudden they had their choice between the two. So it was kind of similar with the, with the Red Wings, where I think if I was a Red Wings fan, I'd be looking for just one of Hughes or Zadina. Yeah. And then you end up with both. So I don't th- I didn't really see a huge gap between the two of them. Um, I was mostly flip flopping between them during the year. Uh, Hughes I think is one of the best skaters in the draft, whereas Zadina is a really safe bet to score uh, because he has that shot. Um, so I think like I don't think you can knock the pick. And of course, when you're picking Zadina, you don't know who the other two picks are going to be. Uh, but then later in the draft, I think they just took who kind of fell into their laps. I think Valeno. 
really had no business going that late. I was hoping the Leafs would draft him. Um, he's a good two-way center. I thought he was always one of the best players for Canada when he played at international events. So whether it's the Olinka or whether it's the under-18 tournament. Uh, Valeno just, he, I'm not sure if he has a shot down pat yet. He might have to work on that a bit, but he's a very good puck carrier. He plays a responsible two-way game. He's a good leader, it seems. So uh, just his ability to, to set up plays and, and carry the puck, I've always been impressed by. And then Jonathan Bergeron, I, I wanted in the first round as well. Um, I I didn't know Bergeron uh, about a year ago, and then I watched him at the Olinka, and I just fell in love with his ability to handle the puck. Uh, he was just Sweden's best puck carrier and on a team that didn't really have much uh, skill up front. And then, so I thought he might be a first-round pick at that point, and then he had a huge year in the Super Elite League, and then he had... Uh, a really good showing again at the under-18 tournament. So I thought he was a first-round caliber pick. Um, I think if that type of player falls to you in the second round, you you just kind of have to take the best player at that point. Uh, so I, they took their first three picks are exactly who I would have taken. Um, I can, You can debate Hughes versus Sedina, but I think they had a great draft and it's a good sign for things to come. Yeah, I was um, I was definitely interested with, with Valeno falling because – you know, when we were watching the draft, there is, uh, you know, like I'm guessing you pro- you guys probably have your own, you know, uh, Leaf Slack channel for SB Nation or something. You know, so, you know, I'm, we're in there and we're watching, uh, you know, watching the draft with a few of us, uh, you know, writers for, for, for Winging at Motown. And we're just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't believe. Wait, they didn't take Zidane? Oh, my God. They didn't take, you know, and like, you know, just like the anticipation is building. But then, like, it was it was even almost crazier with Valeno just because of how how many teams just kept passing up on him. Uh, so the question I wanted to ask, because obviously you're, um, you know, a, a Leafs aficionado and, you know, a Leafs expert. It reminded me a lot of last year. I think it was last year um, with uh, Timothy Lilligren. Uh, because I remember going in, I was thinking this would be really great if the Red Wings could draft him because obviously he drafted, you know, he he fell in the draft from, you know, being out for so long with, with Mono, I think. And I just kind of remember him, like, I was like, why why is he falling this far? Like, he should have been taken by now. So I guess my question is, I just kind of wondered what's going on. So so how has he looked? Um, he was with the Marlies this year, right? Like, how, how has he looked? Does, does he look like he's going to, you know, be a really good value pick for the, the Leafs in the future? So Lilligren, we're just not used to seeing teenage defensemen at the AHL level. So I think it was a little bit odd to watch at times, but he held his own. And kind of coming into the season, he was known as this offensive defenseman who who could be a liability defensively. And we kind of saw the opposite. He was a very strong defender in terms of tra- his transition play. Uh, didn't really have a great season offensively, but he is quite young. Uh, the Marlies didn't have a very good power play, despite being a, a top team. Uh, so I think just because he's 18, uh, he was he looked good at the World Juniors. I think he just needs another year. I think you give him a, a full year or close to it with, with the Marlies, and then you see what you have there. But he's a great skater. He's not overly small. He's about six feet tall, um, and just keeps getting stronger. So I think he's going to have a real good chance of being a, a two, good two-way defenseman, I think. I don't think they're going to regret that pick at 17 at this point. Okay. Is there, um, Kevin, is there anything that's, I don't know, what's the word here? Like, with, with the departure of Lamorello here, do you, is it going to be like a seismic change in terms of, like, draft uh, philosophy? Or 
you know, is it going to, you know, I, I guess I'm curious as to what the difference between, you know, well, how things have been done versus how they should be done moving forward. I mean, are, are I guess, are you worried about it at all about what they're, <laughs> I think I saw Mitch Marner with a full beard the other day. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'd say yeah. it is going to be quite different. I think the two years Dubas has run the draft, uh, we've seen certain trends. Um, so it was Mark Hunter that was running the draft uh, for many years, and then he departed the organization when when uh, Kyle Dubas got the general manager position. But uh, Dubas tends to take quite a lot of overage players, and then there's less of an emphasis on size. I think uh, lower in the draft, there's been the Leafs have taken some some very tall defensemen that maybe not the best skaters, maybe not the best puck carriers. Um, and you might have one or two work out, but in, in general, they're not very high on our on our prospect list right now. Um, and then with Dubis, we see some overage players. It looks like they're trying to take advantage of an, an efficiency, but uh, of course, we're going to need probably three, four years to see how these end up turning out. Hopefully it's when you're like, yeah, well, after winning four cups in a row, Dubas decides to maybe throttle down. <laughs> That's what we're hoping for. And then he also loves trading down. Like they trade, I thought they were going to take Valeno at 25 this year. Then they traded down to, to 29 and they still didn't take Valeno. Uh, they took Rasmus Sandin. And uh, so he, Dubas did that in the past before the other year he ran the draft. He also traded down. Uh, so it seems to be, that's his philosophy. He's going to trade down. He's going to get more picks, and then he'll take uh, either undersized players or overage players a little bit more than than most would. Hmm. Yeah, I think uh, one thing I was interested in was you know Lamarillo departing and going to New York, um, and then shortly after, uh, Leo Komarov joins him and Matt Martin joins him. Uh, I can't remember if there are any other players, but now, now that, you know, he's, he's moved on and we've seen some of the, some of the moves that he has decided to make for the Islanders. Some of, some of them kind of seem to be at the very least, uh, head scratching a little bit, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, so looking back, are you able to kind of see, okay, this move that was made was kind of like a Lamorello move. This move, maybe Kyle Dubas like kind of won the argument and was able to make this move. You know, do you, like, is that something that you think happened or do you think that Lamorello kind of had control and Dubas wasn't really able to do as much as he wanted to at the time? Uh, we like to guess. I think yeah. there's definitely been some moves that didn't really align with, with Dubas's philosophy that he tends to communicate. I think uh, Roman Polak departing the organization uh, now, I think that might be telling. I think when I look at the Leafs roster right now, and they lost Komarov, and, and Komarov played with Nazem Kadri most of the year, and he was one of the lowest 5-on-5 scorers in the league. Um, and then they lost Matt Martin, who really only plays against other fourth lines. They lost Roman Polak, who isn't really the most mobile or best puck mover at this point. So I think uh, some, for a little bit there, you might have a little bit of addition by subtraction on the roster, and uh, you end up with guys like Tyler Ennis, who he hasn't been very good the last two years, but maybe if you put him out against other fourth lines, if, if you hope he can get back to, to what he was. Uh, and then they have some, some good 
kids coming up from the Marlies to kind of fill those gaps. So I think the nice part about having Tavares is you kind of spend your money on on a high-end talent, uh, someone who's a safe bet to produce, and then they have the some good young players from the Marlies coming up to kind of fill those gaps. So in terms of, of f- filling gaps, and I know this is just, you know, the most uh, genius, and no one has ever asked this question before. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, and, and again, I think for your position, it's actually kind of an interesting question, given that you just signed Tavares. But, like, imagine if you didn't land Tavares. Is, like, for your team specifically right now, What's the one position that, like, you, like, let's say, again, the same spirit that spoke to Dubas all those years ago to just stay the course and you'll get Tavares. Like, you are guaranteed one lockdown ace at a certain position. What would that be for the Leafs right now, in your opinion? Uh, it would be right-shooting right, uh, right defenseman. So we have, we've been using Ron Hainsey on the top pairing on the right side, even though he's a left-shooting defenseman. Uh, Nikita Zaitsev was injured a bit last year. Didn't really have the best year. Connor Carrick was in and out of the lineup. So there isn't much depth on the right side right now. I think everyone's waiting for, for Timothy Lilligren to develop and hoping he can, he can contribute. But for the Leafs, it's quite clear. They're strong on the left side. They're very weak on, on the right side. And I think that's really the big hole in the lineup that everyone's hoping can, can somehow find a solution for. So for all those GMs out there listening, the Leafs are weak on the right side. <laughs> Woke up on your left wings, and uh, yeah. okay. So um, this week uh, we had we had we only had one mailbag question. Normally it goes up uh, you know a, a day earlier. Um, you know this one just went up this morning. So, but it, it's a really good question. So I wanted to make sure that we got to it. Um, it's from our our beloved leader JJ. And he asks, um, can you speak to the evolution of the general sports feeling in Toronto over the last several years? Not necessarily just about hockey, but it seems all sorts of good steps have been going on there that have turned Toronto from what I have called them. I would have called them pretty miserable sports town to an exciting slash hopeful one. And then he adds with Detroit currently in a dismal portion. I'd like something to look forward to as things get turned around and want to know about the signs to look for. So I think... The turnaround, I think the hockey team is is really the largest uh, team in Toronto in terms of interest. And I think the committing to the full rebuild really paid off. So I think for years they're in that in-between stage where they weren't bad enough to be the bottom team. They weren't good enough to be a playoff team. And then they finally kind of bottomed out and started accumulating all this young talent. Morgan Riley, Nazem Kadri. They started hitting on some picks like William Nylander. Um, and then Mitch Marner, and then obviously winning the the lottery for Austin Matthews. So I think years and years of rebuilding finally paid off, and and that really turned the page on that team. In terms of in terms of the other teams, I'd say for the Blue Jays, they kind of lucked out a little bit. I don't know if luck's the right word for it, but they they got Jose Batista and Edwin Encarnacion out of nowhere, and then they almost went on they almost went kind of all in. Like they went and got David Price. They made the playoffs for the first time uh, in years. And it it definitely lifted the spirits because the, the Leafs hadn't been in the playoffs forever. The Blue Jays hadn't been in the playoffs forever. And when you're in a, for the Blue Jays specifically, when you're in the division with the Yankees and the Red Sox, it's, it's even if you have a pretty good team, it's tough because they spend so much money, your division rivals. 
And in terms of the Raptors, I think it's just been slowly building up, building up, and then uh, it's kind of peaked this week with the Kawhi Leonard acquisition. So I think it's it's a slow process. It sometimes takes three to five years uh, before you start seeing those results. But I think in terms of Detroit, you see a, a good draft like like this year. If you can add on to that next year, I think you you start to be in a in a good spot. I had one question, and now that I'm thinking about, it, I guess I guess it might end up being a two part question. Um, you know, one of the biggest things with the the Maple Leafs getting Severus is that they have to pay you know a, a pretty substantial cap hit for him. You know, it's eleven million dollars. So obviously, the cap's going up, and there's you know at least a decent chance that it'll keep going up. Um, but obviously, with that, you know, you still have Austin Matthews, you have Nylander, and you have uh, Mitch Marner. Um, all, you know, not, I, I know Matthews and Marner still have a contract next year. Nylander's a uh, restricted free agent right now. So he needs a contract this year. And I know somebody, I forget who it was, maybe Elliot Friedman. Somebody asked, uh, Kyle Dubas if he was worried about keeping all of them. And he basically said, we're going to be able to, you know, we're going to be able to do it. Um, and I know at the time I kind of was wondering if that was more, uh, confidence or hubris, you know, just the way he phrased it. Not, you know, not that I don't think he could, but he seemed very, very sure of himself in a way that is going to be a really bad audio clip if it ends up not working out. <laughs> um, that was my first thought. Um, so I guess I'll ask you, like, first of all, you know, do you think that's reasonable? Do you think that they're going to be able to do that? Um, and then I guess part two would be I was looking at their cap friendly page right now. And right now they have just under 15 million. So, you know, 14 point seven million in cap space and it looks like right now their roster size is 19 so they're you know four players uh for about 15 million dollars so i guess part two would be like like what do you think they're going to use that money on you know what do you think you know, what do you think those last four spots are going to look like so i think i'm not expecting too many additions for this off season i think they're going to try to be conservative uh, maybe save some money for the deadline. But in terms of next season, that's really where we see the cap crunch because they have to sign Matthews, Marner, and uh, there's also a couple more, Kasperi Kapanen, Andreas Janssen, who most of us are pretty high on. Uh, so uh, next season's where we're really going to see the cap crunch. If they can get by that year, uh, they'll have, they still have to pay Marlowe next year at $6.25 million. So I think there's going to have to be someone moved out uh, I don't think it'll be William Nylander. I think they're going to do whatever they can to keep him, even if they have to move out uh, some depth players. Uh, but the question, the big question, is what's the cap going to be? If it's 82 million versus 83 million, that can make a huge difference for the Leafs next year. Um, so they might have to move on from someone like Nikita Zaitsev, someone like Connor Brown. Um, and then the big question around the Leafs is with Patrick Marlowe. So Marlowe is going to get a big signing bonus on, on July 1st next year. Right. And then there's kind of like conspiracy theories going around <laughs> that they'll either trade him or like they'll, he'll retire, but uh, some, something similar to like Hoso or, or Datsuk. Okay. Um, but Marlowe hasn't missed a game in years, and he's never won a cup, so I think he's going to want to stay around. So I'm not exactly counting on that. Yeah, I, like, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I remember at the time, I remember the question with that contract was – not that they signed him, but it was the like the third year on it. it was like why would they go three? Yeah, it was very. I I was surprised. I wasn't a big fan of it at the time. Like Marlo's a very good player, but the third year is gonna be is gonna be tough. I'm not sure if he's gonna be a six point two five million dollar player. 
and they're going to need every penny they can get of cap space that year. So uh, they might have, like, worst-case scenario, they might have to bridge one of Nylander or Marner, but I think they're going to be, A, hoping the cap goes up a little bit more significantly than we than we hope, and, and B, you might have to move, whether it's Connor Brown, whether it's Zaitsev, um, because they do want to, they do want to, they probably want to re-sign Jake Gardner just because of his impact on the ice. Um, otherwise, the cost for for signing Marlowe, I guess, might be uh, losing Jake Gardner. Hmm. You know, I'm really glad that we are in this age where these players can just. I wonder what that like. What would that conversation be like, or what? Where do they have that thing where it's like, Patrick, buddy, you've been doing so great for us. But uh, we're we're kind of thinking, you know, you scratch our back, we scratch yours. Would you mind going to like Arizona or, you know, or San Jose or or or, or even a, just a fun little flight down to Dallas for a little bit, just just to help out our old our old buddy, the salary cap, right? Like, like is that a is that a Starbucks conversation or is that a the keg at the at mansion type? question um, it's like wow that um your your equipment sure looks like it's making you itchy yeah uh, yeah you should uh, you should have our doctor check you out his deal is was heavily front loaded so eight and a half million the first year six million this upcoming year and then it goes down to 4.25 million in the last year and then there's a three million dollar signing bonus in the last year so if you were to retire on july 2nd he's only really given up 1.25 million and i I assume it would be, I mean, if he retires, the Leafs don't get, if he officially retires, the Leafs don't get the cap relief. So I think it would be uh, one of those situations where maybe he ends up on the LTIR. Um, but I'm not really counting on that. I, I I can't really see him, who's played in every game for years now. Uh, I think he's going to want a chance to win. So I think in terms of creating cap space, they're probably going to have to look elsewhere. Yeah, I think and I'm actually pretty glad that that's that we can actually see that type of scenario have that type of outcome because as Peter already mentioned, you know, yeah, it's like with the Datsuk thing, it's like, "Ah, oh, my knees, I need to see my family." And then host is like, "Ah, oh, my equipment, it's so tight." Right where it's like Marlo appears to be in like peak physical at least for his age condition like continue to play the game of hockey and you're like okay so what excuse are they gonna do this time (laughs) where it's like oh it's gonna be like poochie from the simpsons i have to return to my home planet and he's just gonna (laughs) blast off into to where he's supposed to go um well hopefully hopefully it ends better oh yeah well yeah oh of course there's there's obviously a lot more sadness (laughs) evolves around poochie's situation but you know it's it, it is nice Yes, I certainly do. I have to go now. My planet needs me. Wow, Poochie came from another planet? Uh, I guess. Hey, that wasn't supposed to happen. Those Sphinx double-crossed me. Poochie's dead! <laughs> so, so, Kev, uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you, if there was... Is I know we like to talk about a lot of the success as of late, but do you think there have been any mistakes recently that could have maybe gotten you to a 
to 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 this point sooner, or do you think things have just been, you know, like things have progressed in like kind of like Morpheus, like no, what happened happened, and it couldn't have happened any other way. Like, is there one thing like in the last few years where you're like, we really should have done different? Um, it's, I think the years preceding that, it was there are lots of mistakes, but now, I'd say of late, it's been quite encouraging. Um, at least in general, I think the Marlowe signing might come back to bite us in the, in the 2019, 2020 season. Um, I think they kept maybe Roman Polak for, for a year too long or maybe two years too long. Um, and that Matt, they got out of the Matt Martin contract. So there's, there hasn't been much. I think management's been a big reason why they're at the point they are now, but Let's just say it was a it was an ugly road for for many many years before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's that is you are you are a true fan. You could have you could have really gone for more of the the imagery of what that road looked like. But I'm glad you were reserved. <laughs> for some reason, the uh, when you were saying that, I got this mental image of. Um, Kyle Dubas, you know, basically deciding to throw Lamarillo a party, uh, you know, for, you know, for his contribution to the team. And at the end, he basically said, hey, we got Roman Polak. He's going to bring your stuff with you to New York and he's going to stay with you. And, <laughs> and they're like, no, no, no. OK. Um, but yes. So, so, Kevin, thank you very, very much for uh, for joining us tonight. Um, it was you know, definitely a good conversation. I think our listeners are really going to get a lot out of it. Um, and we really appreciate it. So real quick, um, if you've missed it in the beginning, you can follow Kevin on Twitter at K-P-A-P-E-T-T-I. And you can read his stuff on Pension Plan Puppets and on Bluebird Banter. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And it'll be exciting, too, because think about it. If the wings get kind of good recently in the near future... Gosh, we could have Kev on as a repeat guest and talk about all the all the games that we might win or lose against each other. <laughs> Think of that, a Detroit-Toronto rivalry that's, like, actually worth a darn. Oh, let's have it happen. Yeah, their windows kind of didn't really line up. I think Detroit was so good for so long, and then as soon mm. as they fell off, the Leafs finally got their, got their shit together. Yeah. <laughs> May our shits be together soon. <laughs> <laughs> That was definitely a really fun interview. I think, uh, like I said at the end, I think our, our listeners are going to really get a lot out of it. Um, so like I teased before the interview, we have the return of a fan favorite segment. And actually, I kind of I kind of lied a little bit or misrepresented it. We actually have the return of two uh, fan favorite segments that we haven't done in a while. Um, we're all and, about we're all about incepting people. Right? Yeah, we have, to, we have to go deeper. We have to. We have to use one hand to pat him on the back and the other hand to cross-check him in the teeth. Speaking of cross-checks, that is actually going to be the next segment. Right, hey! so we've done this before, and, and the two times that we did it in the past, we kind of did it as like a little like a way to get into talking, like, like one of us wanted to go on a rant. So this is going to be a little bit different. This is going to actually just be the rapid-fire uh rapid fire reactions to stories. So we pulled up uh, an article from uh, Sportsnet that is the 11 big summer NHL headlines that have yet to play out. All right. So we are going to rapid fire answer these and uh, here we go. All right, Jay. So summer headlines that have yet to be played out. 
right, so Jay, Carlson and Pacioretty have been traded. I would certainly hope that they will be. <laughs> the Toronto Maple Leafs have named the new captain. Who is their new captain, Pete? It's going to be John Tavares. I don't really have a funny answer for that one. I think it's going to be him anyway. <laughs> All right, Team X has unveiled its new third jersey. That's right, kids. The third jersey for the Minnesota Wild that you've been waiting for is finally revealed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Rick Nash has made a decision on the next season. What is that decision, Pete? Uh, Vegas is going to make the, is going to miss the playoffs. Okay, <laughs> uh, Quinn Hughes has made a decision on whether to play college or pro. Trick question. He's playing pro college. <laughs> Former Maple Leafs assistant GM Mark Hunter has a new job. Pete, what job does he have? He's going to be replacing uh, Hunter as the Edmonton Oilers mascot. Um, Mark Stone and Jacob Truba have new deals. <laughs> uh, Mark Stone will be doing great in uh, a Florida Panthers jersey, and Jacob Truba is uh, going to be so miserable having been arbitrated to uh, stay with the Jets. <laughs> Someone has taken a chance on Slava Voinov. Whoever it is should be publicly shamed for the rest of their life. And and the afterlife. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Holinka Gretzky Cup is quality summer hockey. I have to agree because you took Ivan out of the name and you put Gretzky in it, thus instantly making it entertaining. The Carolina Hurricanes continue to make moves. What are those moves, Pete? But However, they will not have to move any events from their arena in the postseason because they will, again, miss the playoffs after seeming to be the uh, ready to, to take the next step. <laughs> All right. The Blue Jackets and Artemi Panarin uh, relationship has reached a resolution. Uh, Artemi looks at uh, all the fans and says, Blue Jackets fans, I don't feel so good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he'll then be uh, brought back to life in a shiny, brand spanking new Chicago Blackhawks jersey. That's 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 what I think is going to happen. I I, I, I do have to say that that there's a hilarious typo in this in this this one because they left out the last letter and it, it says his name is Artemi Paneri, and, and I actually do think that that would be an improvement. I think I think that that would be a a more fun name to say. <laughs> Temi Paneri. Yeah. It's a sister band to Millie Vanilli. Exactly. That's, that's perfect. So those are the big uh, big summer headlines that have yet to play, uh, to play out. Hopefully next time we record an episode, that's uh, at least one of those things will have happened. So we have something to like talk to about. Th- I would like to think so, right? Yeah, There's well, 11 of those. They're, I mean, they're, like some of those have to have to happen over the next couple I of mean, weeks. I mean, as we're recording this on Sunday, we are waiting for the news of Jacob Truba's arbitration hearing results because it's, it's happened. The two teams are, or the two sides are, are three million apart. The uh, the team the team uh, asked for four million. Truba asked for seven million. Now that's not very surprising. That happens all the time. Like if you're if for Red Wings fans, if you remember this last year with Tatar, the 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 team always does a very low number, and the player always does a a much higher number. Um, actually, I think last time I think the surprise was that Tatar's ask was definitely more reasonable than. Um, you know, than, than I think most people expected. Just the fact that they're three million apart on their asks, I don't think means that it's going to be like you know that the relationship is going to be destroyed or something like that. Um, but yeah, so as as we're waiting right now, they've had the arbitration hearing. 
the both sides could agree on a deal, just like what happened with Tatar last year, where the uh, the hearing happened, and then the uh, the Red Wings and Tatar agreed on a deal before the uh, the, the judgment was rendered, basically. Um, and so so yeah, if they could come up with a deal, they could uh, you know agree on a deal before that. But if the uh, if if the uh, the offer comes or not the offer, if the ruling comes back, then that's that's going to be the uh, that's going to be the deal. So, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. So that'll definitely be done by next time. Um, and I'm excited for it. And we'll definitely lead off the episode with that news because everybody else deserves to hear it only from us. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so just make sure you don't listen to any other hockey podcasts or go on Twitter or anything like that for the next you know two weeks or so. Um, <laughs> all right. So we have a uh, a very special. Uh, I guess it's a surprise because we haven't done it in a long time. When we were starting uh, recording this show, when we were starting uh, planning out the podcast, one of the things that we talked about is the idea of having you know recurring segments. Um, not necessarily every single episode, but you know segments that would kind of come you know you know they come back every once in a while. And the one that I liked probably the best was also one of the ones that was the hardest to do. Um, yep. And so longtime listeners of the show might know what I'm referring to. I am, of course, referring to our segment, Puck Tales. And it started off as kind of like a an improv thing where we would tell ridiculous, uh, basically like drunk hockey history without the drinking. And we would tell ridiculous versions of the the story of, you know, some type of famous hockey event. And like I said, it was it was fun, but it was just I don't know. Like, like I just felt it was really kind of hard to do. And so one night I just had an idea of how how we could do that. And so basically, it's coming back for this episode. Um, it, it it definitely takes a long time to put this together. So I I don't think you can expect to have one of these every every episode. Um, but it was a lot of fun to do. I had a lot of fun putting it together. Um, and. It's 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 a very similar format. It's basically um, instead of thinking of it as like drunk hockey history, think of it as like a ridiculous version of like a documentary podcast, like serial or something like that. Um, I think you'll 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 notice some of the illusions in the uh, the style of the uh, of the the segment. Without further ado, here we go. Here's the new version of Puck Tales. One of the few things that all humans share in our brief time on this earth is that we will all eventually die. But what happens when we die? Our greatest writers have wrestled with this concept, like William Shakespeare or Gene Roddenberry. The undiscovered country from who was born, no traveler returns, puzzles the will. Here's David Tennant playing the immortal role of Hamlet. It makes us rather bear those ills we have and fly to others that we know not of. It's comforting to believe that there is more to this life, but we all rely on theory and religion to help us sleep at night. What if when we die, as Hamlet wrestled with, there's nothing but a long sleep. 
While many instances of dangerous plays in the NHL have nearly led to a player's death, perhaps no example is as harrowing as that which happened on October 30th, 2006, when Los Angeles Kings forward Sean Avery nearly entered the undiscovered country. It was the Kings' 14th game of the season, and they had won just three up to that point. Avery was looking to make an impact in the game, whether by scoring one of the 28 points he would score for Los Angeles that season, or by sitting in the penalty box for either two or five of the 116 minutes he would spend there in 2006-2007. On the opposing bench this fateful evening was New York Rangers forward Yaramir Yager, a player not only known for his scoring touch. We're in the Stanley Cup final for the second year in a row, and here's Yager with the puck. Yager, nice move around Brent Sutter to the backhand. Let's it go, he scores! But also for his propensity to play on the edge, a facet of his game that would become important later. Playing time, and now he's on the big line with Yager, and now a battle. Oh, this! Yager fighting Richie Pilon. And Strzokka jumps in. Sean Avery was no stranger to controversy himself. Known to have one of the biggest mouths in the NHL, Avery got into some trouble back in 2005 after Denny Gauthier took out Jeremy Roenick. I think it was typical of most French guys in our league with a visor on that, you know, run around and play tough and can't back anything up. He also had a history of being accused of not playing the game the way it was meant to be played. On this night, the unstoppable force met the surprisingly movable object. Sean Avery shot the puck into the offensive zone, with Yager streaking up behind him. The Rangers captain shoved him with a gloved left hand, causing Avery to twist and fall forward, placing his fragile head in great danger of hitting the rock-hard ice. At the last second, something happened. Some miracle. Some unexplainable twist of fate. Somehow, Avery's left leg, operating seemingly on its own accord, propelled his body high into the air, keeping his head from slamming into the ice. Conspiracy theorists will say that Avery must have dove initially in order to be able to push off with his left skate on his way to the ice. But what if that wasn't it at all? What if Avery's body refused to let him die that night? What if it wasn't an act of buffoonery? but an act of God. We'll never know. Puck Tales is brought to you by a generous grant from the Lansing Star Journal. The Lansing Star Journal has been serving the greater Lansing area with news, sports, entertainment, and local flavor for 75 years. That's right, the Lansing Star Journal. But in all seriousness, folks, that's a Puck Tales... uh, Segment that I think will be more in the rotation than than we have now that we've actually well workshopped it and and turned it into a a, a produced and quite frankly jaw dropping piece of content for you all to experience because there's your memory of how things happen but ours is better so uh, well that, Pete it's been a little bit of a break but hopefully we'll have more news because again the things we talked about today could be settled even as I'm talking about this I'm kind of surprised we didn't have to use the breaking news sting during this episode but uh, hey say la vie um, but we'll be back as as soon as humanly possible which is our normal two week stuff 
Uh, as always, you can follow our shenanigans on the internets. Uh, that's right. Our uh, Twitter account is at 200footpod. That's 200FTPOD. Uh, Pete, if I remember correctly, our for shirt is still available, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, I created a shorter URL for it because it could be a little, you know, tricky to just say everything. So if you go to tinyurl.com slash fur shirts, and it's F-E-R-S-H-I-R-T, you can get t-shirts and uh, hoodies and uh, pillows and all, sor- all sorts of so, uh, great fur shirt swag. Absolutely. And seeing as yours truly designed all of it, I would greatly encourage you to continue to buy our fun stuff. Uh, you can find Peter on Twitter as well, at P. Flynn Hockey. Um, I don't think I need to spell that, but even if I, <laughs> even if I have to, here I go. It's at P F L Y N N H O C K E Y. You can find myself and all of my ridiculousness at the roar 24. That's at T H E R O A R underscore two four. Uh, Pete, we are, uh, excited to bring these fun stories, but, uh, this week we, uh, actually are up. It, it stinks because we uh, we have to say goodbye to somebody, and uh, it's it's always tough when someone leaves the uh, hockey community uh, prematurely. Uh, so um, this week we wanted to end the episode by uh, speaking a little bit about Ray Emery. Um, I'm personally really uh, upset that this is um, it's, it's a form of death that's unfortunately been, uh, really high as of late in terms of athletes dying. There's, um, the death of Jose Fernandez in Miami via boating accident. Um, and, uh, there's, there's just a lot of, uh, of, of just untimely departures from, uh, this ethereal plane. And, um, I'm wishing the Emory family, um, strength and courage. Um, he is, yeah, he has had a uh, an interesting career, uh, which is actually kind of putting it really lightly because on the ice he was very, uh, a very good goaltender, and I enjoyed watching him play. But um, you know, to be honest, there were some off the ice issues that, uh, quite frankly, were um, really tough to to hear about and even more so to obviously be the, uh, on the receiving end of these, uh, things that he did. And, um, we wish those affected by it can, can still find peace and uh, reconciliation from the things that happened. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there's been a lot of, uh, talk about coverage of his death because like you said, you know, there's the on the ice person who was an entertaining player to watch uh, as a fan favorite of a lot of people, but then off the ice, you know, there's v- some very serious allegations. Uh, like he was arrested for allegedly assaulting his ex fiance. I mean, that's not something that's just like, uh, Oh, you know, he did something stupid. I mean, that's, that's a really major thing. Um, and so, so because of that, it can be kind of hard to talk about because if you go, if you go too far one way or the other, then people are going to get angry, or, you know, that you left this out or whatever. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I think that you can both acknowledge that these are very serious allegations and very serious things that say something negative about a person while also being sad that they have died and wishing 
condolences and, you know, uh, you know, love and, and comfort to family and friends. And, and, and I think that's, at least for me, I think that that's, that's the way to go with this. For sure. 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 For sure.